You are Locked On Lakers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Lakers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. I'm Anthony Irwin. I am joined by Pete Zayas, Laker Film Room. Pete, how you doing today? I'm good, my man. How about you? You know, I can't complain. I I commuted today for like the first time in like three or four years, and uh, I don't know how people do it. Like, whoa, 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 wait, wait. You commuted for the first time in three or four years? How oh. do you do that in like Southern California? Like, you, you have to explain that. All right. Well, I, I mean, like, I I drive and stuff. Uh, I, I have driven and stuff like that. That is that that's a part of life out here. But like in terms of driving somewhere midday, like changing, crossing over a few cities and, and being somewhere on like on a scheduled time, like I haven't done that uh, really since I since I started doing this. And I've been doing this for about three years now. So, yeah, it's it's it. it I didn't miss it at all. <laughs> that, that's that's incredible, man. You have to teach me your ways. Uh, yeah, I did. The big thing is um, just just Uber Eats and Postmates. And <laughs> I'm a big Postmates fan for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's the best. All right, uh, enough about enough about my driving schedule and, and all that. Everybody who's listening to this uh, can can atone. Probably listening to this in the car, and you're probably saying to yourself, "Screw you, sir." Um, so let's move on today's show and, and moving forward for the next couple of weeks ago, we're going to start doing player reviews and we're going to start with Lonzo ball and go down the Lakers roster in no real particular order. Uh, just in, just in the order that I, that I kind of feel like going in, we're starting with Lonzo. We're going to start the show by talking about what we kind of expected from him when the Lakers drafted him, um, and what we were hoping to see from him because expectations, in my opinion, take up a, a huge portion of, of how these players are regarded. Uh, and then we're going to move into what actually we saw from him, the production, uh, the, the level of, uh, the, the level to which he raised the Lakers while he was on the court. And then finally, we're going to finish up the show with what we want to see from him moving forward, heading into the offseason, and, and then further on into his career. Uh, as always, make sure you guys are following the show on Megaphone slash Panoply, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Today's Fast Break, Spotify, Alexa, Lakers Outsiders, Silver Screen and Roll. You can follow me on Twitter at Anthony Irwin LA. You can follow Pete on Twitter at Laker Film Room. You can find his stuff at Foreign Blue and Golden on YouTube. Let's go ahead and get to this, Pete. So what were you hoping to see from Lonzo Ball when when the Lakers drafted him and, and when especially after the D'Angelo Russell trade? Because that, that kind of changed everything, right? Like that his role with D'Angelo Russell would have been a little bit different. I, I really wish we would have seen it, but but what were you hoping to see from Lonzo Ball this season? So in a general sense, I wanted to see him kind of infect the team with his style of play. And I think we mostly saw that in terms of the Lakers for most of the season were number one in pace. They filled the third at the end of the year when he was out and they were playing all of those funky lineups. But it took them a little bit. Uh, uh, it took them a little while to kind of get traction and figure each other out a little bit. But I thought like 
chemistry with him and Ingram improved. Him and Kuzma were was good from jump. Him and Randall played well together. So, you know, by and large, I, that's he's the type of guy where you don't necessarily like he's not a Donovan Mitchell type where he's going to be conventional running high ball screens and Mitchell's phenomenal. Don't get me wrong, but he like, I don't think that the, you know, points, rebounds and assists, even though he's fantastic in the latter two categories, I don't think you quantify his value quite in that way. I think it's more like, how does the style of the team reflect his style of play? And I thought he got better at that as the year went on. So like, I, I would completely agree that the, the style of play was where you were really going to see his impact the most places that I was kind of, it's hard to say let down uh, because he, you know, if you, if you actually looked at some of his high school shooting stats and then, and then on into, you know, he shot very well at UCLA. The only place I felt like he, you know, didn't quite meet my expectations was as a shooter and as a, as a finisher. Um, it's kind of odd. I was thinking of this on on that on that drive home that took what felt like five and a half hours. But I was thinking about this for somebody as as skilled and as smart as he is. His game is kind of sort of raw to a certain extent. In in in, in especially offensively, uh, would you agree with with the assessment there? It's it's an He's odd super thing. raw, man. Yeah, He's super raw. He didn't grow up playing conventional basketball, yeah. right? And so that has its advantages in the style of play stuff. But in the like, this is how you run a high ball screen, and this is how you beat the six or seven different pick and roll coverages. They are. He has less experience doing that than other guys do. And then you combine that with kind of a lack of craft around the rim, which is to some extent inexperienced. When you watched him at UCLA, you know, people were like, hey, why doesn't Lonzo dunk more, for example? If you watch his dunks at UCLA, they were mostly off a ball, off of cuts. I can't tell you how many times there was this year where he was available for a lob and a guy missed him and he'd be exasperated and I would be too. And then five people would hit me up in my mentions and be like, did you see that? Like, hell yes, I saw that. You know, uh, it, it was super frustrating. Frustrating, right? And that was they didn't really have that second creator ball handler that would be able to make those plays happen and him convert on that. I always talked about how he was more of like a shooting guard in the half court, but uh-huh. like you said, his shooting was not all that great. And I, he's one of the strangest prospects I've ever seen, Anthony. In that, it's, let's just zoom in on the shooting for a sec. Mm-hmm. He had that start. It was about sixteen games to start the season where he was atrocious historically awful right on high volume then he goes through this like 20 25 game stretch which he was tremendous right six or seven attempts a game at like 40 percent and and that we talked about like oh is he is he rondo is he rubio basically any you know decent point guard that just couldn't shoot at least early on in their career. And we were asking, is he that? Well, those guys at no point, even as they've improved as shooters, at no point were they like six or seven attempts at 38 to 40% type of guys. So there's something there. But then he fell off a cliff again at the end of the season. So it's hard to put a, a finger on like which version of the guy is he or is he somewhere in between? Because there was very little in between this season. Yeah, it was it was kind of crazy, the stark contrast in terms of the quality of play. And it made it really hard to, to really fully analyze him. Uh, before we go to the before we go to the break, would you say he met, exceeded, or fell short of your expectations? He about met my expectations because where he didn't uh, rise to the level of shooting that I thought he would, he was better on the defensive end than I thought he would be. That's a that's very well put. I'll uh, I'll give my response to that here in a second. I would say he 
He met my expectations. The only way that he kind of fell short of them was the injury stuff. Uh, it's kind of hard. It's you know, I, what did he wind up playing? Did he did he wind up missing twenty games? I think he missed right around twenty games, and and like that, that's kind of a bummer. And and especially the time at which he got hurt really affected some of the you know. It, it would have been better had he gotten hurt. Ironically, when when he was struggling a little bit, unfortunately, he was getting momentum. Everything was kind of coming together, and then bang. You know, and and he missed all the time there. But I would say he met my expectations for for the most part. Would you, if you had to grade him on a scale of one to ten, one being Brandon Ingram's first half of his rookie season, ten being LeBron James' rookie season, where would where would you put him in in that scale? There, I, you know, I'm a little more forgiving of point guards. And to your point about the injuries, he actually missed 30 games. He only yeah. played 52 games this there year. Um, for the games that he played, I'd say seven-ish. Um, you know, when you look at yep. this was a unique year in that you had five point guards taken in the top ten that were one-and-done type of guys with him, Dennis Smith Jr., De'Aaron Fox, Mark Hill Fultz, and Frank Nelikina. Look at those guys' shooting numbers. And then it kind of puts it in perspective, right? Like yep. being a young point guard is hard. And that's something I've been saying for years, even when the Lakers had had Russell, like this is usually how it goes for those young guys. And so to see him as such a positive contributor on as a, as a rebounder, as a passer, as a defender, it just, it's hard for me to just look at this one area, which it was a glaring area and, and think that it wasn't a successful season for him. Yeah, I I like the point that you make, and and I want to hammer that home regarding being a point guard in the NBA, because like everybody talks about you know how tough it is to be a quarterback in the NFL, and the obvious comparison now when you're talking about football to basketball is from going from being a quarterback on a p- football field to now being a a point guard on a basketball court, and the thing with that comparison now I think there's a lot more going on for a quarterback there's a lot more options that you have to get into and and obviously in basketball you don't have to worry about 65 350 pound guys trying to kill you so that's kind of a, a bonus if you're playing point guard but when you're playing point guard in the NBA not only do you have to figure out everything and 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 get everybody in a rhythm especially for a point guard like Lonzo whose impact is going to be felt on teammates more than it is with somebody like Donovan Mitchell who is more of a score first type of guard um when you're when you're a point guard you have to figure out all those things on the offensive end and then also play defense on in an era where the NBA I think is it's it's almost inarguable at this point that point guards in the NBA have never been better and so you have to do all of that at this crazy insane level and for a rookie um, and one who comes from the kind of if I wouldn't say I I'll, I'll call it non-traditional background because of the way that his teams played before he got to UCLA when you when you factor all of that in with Lonzo I would say it was a very successful season for him and it's the kind of thing that like for all rookies generally all I want to see from rookies is did you lay the foundation for what might something you can build on moving forward and I thought Lonzo did that to the nth degree and and for somebody who has to rely on others to lay that foundation I thought he had I thought he 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 came through in flying colors even despite the injury injuries and despite the shooting and stuff like the defensively why don't you talk about that defensively i don't know if we've seen a point guard prospect with quite this much promise uh, on that end of the court in in a in a little while yeah there are some guys that at least 
in the way that he's impactful. The thing about, um, and I love the point you made about laying the foundation for, I think we have a good idea of what Lonzo is going to be. I don't think we know what kind, what caliber of player he's going to be, but I think we can see kind of like how it's going to work. And then there's a range of mm-hmm. how good and how, or, or how, you know, middling he'll be within that, that remains to be seen on the defensive end. UCLA plays a lot of two, three zone. And when they did play man coverage, you know, one of the things that was the big story around this time last year was when De'Aaron Fox had 39 points against UCLA and they, they ran a lot of men in that game and their pick and roll coverages were just a disaster. And most of that was on, on the bigs, you know, like Lonzo did not did do a terrible job of defending him in that game. But we weren't able to see with the style that UCLA plays with playing a lot of zone like that, what Lonzo's point of attack defense would be like. It's not as developed as his instincts. And it makes sense, right? Like the instincts that he has on the offensive end can kind of translate to that. Like, yep. Hey, I see things a split second faster than everybody else does on the defensive end. And he gets a lot of steals. Magic was like this, right? Where he wasn't a great individual defender, but he led the league in steals one year. Lonzo, was good at that, which I did expect, but his on ball point of attack point of attack stuff was a lot better. Um, his ability to close out his ability to, you know, contest without fouling things like that. He needs to get stronger and in better shape. Um, but I, all in all, I was really happy. What did you see from him on the defensive end that kind of like, what surprised you as opposed to what you expected when he was coming in? The veracity at which he, he went for rebounds really took me by surprise. Like the way that he rebounds and the way that he just kind of just throws his body in there. And now having those instincts that you talked about defensively and and the steals and stuff like that, I think he does a really good job of reading the ball coming off of the rim, which like makes sense when you're a bad shooter, you would see a ton of misses. But like, but like (laughs) with, with, with the way that he rebounds and, and it's huge for what the Lakers want to do when he's on the court, because him being a good rebounder means that they get into the break just that much quicker. And and that's huge for for a team that like even next season if the even if they add Paul George and LeBron those those easy baskets are so big over the course of a season and then as you get into the postseason like that's going to be great for any team that Lonzo plays on and and you hit the nail on the head in terms of how his rebounding how it transitions from defense to offense and the impact on that I'm working on a Brandon Ingram video right now that's going to be actually several Brandon Ingram videos because it's just so damn long but um, there were so many plays where Lonzo would get the rebound and outlet it to Ingram and then Ingram would be the guy who got the assist on that who where it it was definitely Ingram's assist but it's set up by that hit ahead or that Mm -hmm. outlet pass and that's something where with the Lakers have an unusual amount of ball handling in their front court with Ingram, Kuzma, and Randall. And then if they had LeBron and or Paul George, like that's it's if your point Showtime. guard can rebound like that, man, it's it's just a, a stampede down the court. And and Lonzo's ability to rebound and everybody's ability, but his ability to get it ahead to guys who are immediate threats with what twenty two seconds left on the shot clock, that's gold. And then that's yep. going to be the foundation of what the Lakers are built on going forward. Absolutely. All right, we're going to take. One quick second here, and then when we come back, we're going to look ahead to Lonzo's sophomore season, his first off season, uh, and and the habits that we what we would like to see him him form now. Though you don't usually do that in your first off season, all of that good stuff here in a second. So I I, I didn't give a grade last. I I would agree with the seven, and I don't know if those of you heard it when 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 Pete was talking and he said a, he would say about a seven. I would I agreed. Um, 
in order for him to make to take that seven and and kind of turn that into an eight a nine or a ten I'll start here because it's a, it's a fairly simple point, and I think it's something that I think can be built on and, and built on in, in all kinds of different ways. For me, what I'd like to see from Lonzo is he's very good mentally. He's ahead of the game mentally, and he sees the game slower in in some ways because of how how for, how much far ahead he is mentally. He he actually sees the game slower. It, it develops more slowly for him than than other players. I would like to see that transition to to some of the physical stuff where I he sprint dribbles a little bit too much for me and it and it makes it hard for him to finish. It throws off his footwork when he's trying to pull up for jumpers. And so for me just in general, he he sees the game at such this special unique level. I would like to see that transition and and see the game slow down for him physically. Does that make sense? It totally does. He's got a lot of technique stuff to work on. The the most glaring of which in the half court is the ability to stop and change speeds. I make a comparison. You're a big Dodger guy. I'm, I've always made the comparison with Lonzo to the rookie, like a, what's his name? Walker Bueller. I think his mm-hmm. name is like the kid with a, you know, hundred mile an hour fastball, but does not have a ton of off speed mm-hmm. pitches to complement that. And then guys can adjust to that. If you're going one speed all the time, the same thing is true in basketball and Lonzo's, inability to go from 75 to 30 back up to 45 that's one of the biggest things technique wise that he needs to work on like i I would treat him over the course of this offseason like you're trying to make him a 25 point per game score you're not going to make him one but that is the type of development that he needs and it's a bunch of craft and technique stuff that's learnable but it's going to take time yeah the the I like the change of speed stuff. No, we we I kind of crapped on Chris Paul at our in our last show, and he to me is like the the nth degree example of being able to manage and 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 change speeds on a basketball court. Like if you watch Chris Paul, you never really even now like you watch him play, and you never really you're never really blown away by his quickness, and you just say like how does he how does he always get to exactly where he wants to get to on the court without looking that much faster than everybody else and there's there's obviously ball handling and shiftiness and stuff like that but but his ability to change speeds and use his body and you alluded in the last segment to Lonzo improving his strength and stuff like that that all for somebody who is is as smart as Lonzo if that all if that all catches up to him physically like you're talking about it, we've already talked about how special he could be defensively, but if he if he catches if his body catches up to his mind offensively, I think you're talking about potentially one of the more impactful point guards potentially in the league. Could, I you I wanted to get back to the to the strength stuff because yeah, I, people don't people kind of look at it and they're like, oh yeah, it'd be cool to see him fill out, but but could you just specify like what people are talking about when you're talking about strength in in that kind of improvement from a pro player? I th- I think with Lo- in Lonzo's case, the first place that, that it'll manifest would be more in endurance. Mm-hmm. I think when we look at off-season development, we can kind of see it through the lens of fixing your weaknesses, which is good and which is what players should be doing. But we often don't talk about perfecting your strengths. And I think in Lonzo's case, if Lonzo gets in better strength, uh, better physical condition, whether it's strength or, or conditioning his wind and all that, he's going to be able to leverage the pace that he plays with, which is already really good and really fun and really impactful 
when you take that and you get well-conditioned guys next to him, that's going to be a really miserable team to play against. Yeah. So that's an area where you can take something that's really good that he already has. It's really good and have it be one of a kind, you know, only guy in the league or one of a very small handful of guys in the league that can do that and can do that on a night to night basis. Then with Lonzo in the half court where the strength stuff, I think comes more into play is like pick and roll technique stuff. You talked about Chris Paul and like some of the techniques he uses is his ability to, you know, put a guy in jail and keep a guy on his hip and ward him off. Or when you're going up and exploding around the basket, are you able to take that little bit of contact that's with the body from the defender that won't be called a foul, but is enough enough to like knock you off of your spot? Those are the areas in the half court where I think the strength matters. And then in the full court, I think is the endurance component. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I use I, the uh, yeah. LeBron example quite a bit, and it's and it's this way. I was talking. I don't know if no, you weren't there for the last like Lakers Twitter hangout there at our at my place, and I was talking with Harrison. I was talking with uh, Jared, who comes on the show as well, and we were talking about how like it's weird that LeBron has never really gotten hurt. And, and and it's crazy. And and the one theory is that he's a cyborg, and I'm willing to run with it. But the 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 big thing to me is that he is now. I don't think Lonzo will ever be LeBron good, uh, breaking. And and and. <laughs> <laughs> but but I I do think though that the one thing that LeBron has kind of figured out was that he got so much better and so much bigger and so much stronger than everybody than everybody that he can kind of play. His kind of cruising speed can be 75%, and that means he doesn't put his body into more awkward situations because he isn't playing full bore all the time. And, and that's kind of what I'd like to see from Lonzo, who is, you know, when he's playing the point guard position, he, he has – he's taller, he's longer, um, he's smarter than, than the vast majority of point guards and, and all of these things. So if he can kind of figure out that cruising speed, I think that would benefit him in terms not just of of being able to play the position and and play at, at a more consistent level, but also stay healthy, which is a huge, huge ability in the NBA. For sure. You know, one of the things that, that – you hear it's a sports cliche is as the guys get older, the game slows down. And I think that that's as much mental as it is physical in terms of seeing certain scenarios play out over and over and over again and realizing the different outcomes, which when you're, you're a young player, it's a lot of trial and error. Like, Oh, that didn't work. I ran into a brick wall. Right. (laughs) And uh, we saw Alonzo run into a lot of brick walls this year, (laughs) metaphorically speaking, and perhaps otherwise. So, um, he and and so LeBron's cruising speed and Chris Paul's pace, things like that. Those are one of the things that you get. Even again, I bring it back to Donovan Mitchell, who we've been watching. That is one of the issues that he has is he will kind of overrun his opportunity where if he's slowing it down to 45 instead of keeping it at 75, then that's the spot where he needs to be and where he's able to make better decisions out of that. It's no different with Lonzo, even though he's a different style of player. Yep. I completely agree. All right. So we'll, we'll send everybody out on this note. Uh, do you think like what, what, Based on what you saw from Lonzo this season, and we talked about kind of we we know what kind of player he's going to be, and it's just a matter of where on that scale he falls. How confident are you, do you that that he meets there or gets to reaches his ceiling? I'm. I feel good about every aspect of Lonzo except for one that. I feel nervous about. I'm not ready to say that I it's that it's a thing. It's mm-hmm. just on my mind is he seems to get 
shook a little too easily for my taste, mm. right? Um, that last shooting slump that he went in, Ooh. and there was a game against the Pelicans that the Lakers lost that they were up on the road where he went like one for 12 from three. It's not the – I mean, you know, Kobe had his three air balls, and I'm going to make it a personal mission to bring up Kobe at least once a <laughs> podcast with you, by the way. Um, Kobe had his three air balls against Utah when he was 18, right, in his rookie season. But there was not – a fear or hesitation to that. I I don't love playing sports psychologist, but there are some times where I watch Lonzo where he's a little more in his own head and he do, he does not like, you know, I'm just going to go for it. Uh, I, I think that, for example, his free throw shooting was one thing that I think he would avoid contact and avoid situations yep. to completely keep, avoid getting to the free throw line. There, My one concern with him, and it's the only one because I, I still am very bullish on him, is I want to see a fearlessness from him where he's going to go down swinging no matter what. Uh, you know, one last thing is that Kuzma, who kind of refer, he referred to him in the exit interviews as being 14 years old, uh, Lonzo, that is. I think there's something to that. I think he's mentally perhaps a little bit young right mm-hmm. now. And that we can always make excuses for young players, right? Where, oh, they're young, this and that. At some point, Until they it, has <laughs> it has to click, right? It has to cross over. So that is my, the one thing that I'm unsure about. Everything else, I think Lonzo is going to be very good. Last question. I, I forgot to ask this earlier, but one of the points that I forget who made it on Twitter, and I thought it was a good one, is it'll be interesting to see from the Lakers standpoint if they kind of – if he goes and, and he says he wants his dad to manage all of his workouts and, and be kind of his personal coach in the offseason, and if the Lakers have something else in mind, that – how do you think that goes over? That ain't going to cut it. LeVar training him, he's he's got to leave daddy behind. Yeah. And that's not, you know, like I, I don't have a dislike for LeVar Ball like a lot mm-hmm. of Laker fans or a lot of people do. Um, but LeVar Ball is not a professional skills coach. There are some really legit dudes out there. Uh, Clint Parks for Kyle Kuzma. Drew Hanlon's a good skills trainer. There are a lot of guys who like that's their life. And they're, they've spent, you know, years and years getting NBA athletes to improve the skill sets of their game. And, and LeVar's not that, nor should he be. He's his dad, right? And there's even some issues with like role confusion and things like that when your dad is the coach of the team or the guy who's like teaching you like, no, that he needs to be your dad. And he that needs to be a separate role from what a skills coach does. So to me, if Lonzo says, no, I want my dad and I want to work out with LiAngelo and, and, and LaMelo and all that, that's, that's big time problematic to me. Yep, I would I would agree with everything that you said there. There's nothing I need to add to it. This was a fun episode, everybody, and, and this is kind of how it's going to go from on down the roster. Now, Pete's going to have a couple of these per week. We're going to go back to the five shows per week for a couple of weeks for uh, cont- contractual obligations is how I'll, I'll phrase that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna review all of the Lakers. We're gonna talk about Lakers players, those who are now of the former variety. Uh, we're gonna talk about the front office, Luke, the assistant coaches, all that good stuff. 
that's going to that's going to take up the next few weeks of shows and then next week starting hopefully on Monday uh, I'm going to start unveiling my top 50 Lakers of all times list. I'm just going to name off one Laker per show, and we'll see where that list takes us. And and uh, and Pete can fight me over some of these names, and if I have a guest on there, they can fight me some over the, some of those names, and we'll just see where that where that list takes us. Last reminder, also before we go into the weekend, Monday show is going to be a Monday mailbag show. So if you have any questions or comments or points that you want to make on the show. Send those to iTunes in the form of a five-star review, and I will get to them. Uh, if if we if we don't fill out enough time, I'll, I'll ask. I'll reach out on Twitter. But the way that you guarantee that your question gets answered will be on iTunes. Thanks everybody for listening. Thank you, Pete. Thanks for thanks for hopping on with me. And uh, let's hope I never have to commute ever again. <laughs> I enjoyed it, brother. We're going to get that Reddit karma up any way we can, <laughs> one way or another. Have a great weekend, everybody. <laughs>